Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tiffany here from Swish, and I want to talk about being a problem solver. In my classroom, I'm always telling my equal firsties to be problem solvers. In first grade, that's one thing, but in adult life, it's a whole other. It can be really difficult to train your brain to go into a problem-solving mode. Maybe you don't even know where to start. It's a challenge that we all face in life. But when you learn to better help your brain find solutions, it's truly a great feeling. And if you've ever been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's all online. And on top of that, they match you with a therapist just by filling out a brief survey. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com swish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash swish. Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all-Potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. The Swish and Flick. Hello, and welcome to episode 54 of Swish and Flick. I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And I'm Katie. This episode is sponsored by Renee Witt. So please Thanks, let me know. Thanks, Renee. First of all, yes, thank you. And please let me know if I said your name wrong. Thank you. So unfortunately, y'all are stuck with the three of us today again. But don't worry, your favorite Gryffindor is returning soon. Tiff Very the Griff. soon. So soon that we're going to see her tomorrow. You guys will see her next tomorrow, week. Tomorrow, tomorrow, <laughs> I love you. Tomorrow. It's only a week away. <laughs> so we're going to talk about chapter 12 of the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Spoiler alert, that's serious. Um, and it's called <laughs> The Patronus. So please make sure that you have read the chapter because we're going to talk about it because that's what we do here <laughs> at Switch and Flick. Talk about the chapter that we've just read. And we're going to swim around in the big pool of the details and figure out what happened, and we're going to have a grand old time. So get your bathing suits on. If you want to put a little swim cap on, you do you, girl, or boy, or whomever you are. Put your little hat on. Come swimming. We have towels. We have laughters that made no sense. We have you Florence tails. Florence is around. She's going to be there talking to everyone. So get ready. We're going to go to Megan for the Weekly Profit. Hey, guys. It's Megan with the Weekly Profit. <laughs> Okay, so I actually kind of had <laughs> I had a hard time finding some Potter news this week. So I just went to good old, you know, the Queen, J.K. Rowling, general news here. And we have a release. <coughs> I don't know if we have an actual date. I guess it would help if I actually read the whole article before we start this. But. Oh, my gosh. She's so oh, unprepared. We have a date for the next Camoran Strike series called Lethal White. So this is actually being released by Robert Galbraith, in case you guys didn't know if that's J.K. Rowling. This is what? a Potter news. I don't know who and that is. It's being released on September 18th. So it's going to be the fourth book in the Galbraith Strike series, following Cuckoo's Calling, The Silkworm, and Career of Evil. Evil! My mom actually, <laughs> my mom actually likes these books. And the, um, so also... The uh, CB Strike is the BBC's TV adaption of the novels. And it's going to premiere... Oh, it already has premiered in America as of June 1st on Cinemax. Whoa. So I'll have to check that out. Cool. 
That's my news. That's my news. All Don't right. wear it out. Before we talk about the um, chapter overhead, we're going to do a little recap. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Florence. you, Florence. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me coke. Oh. Rude. So, last time, this is what we covered. Harry was super angry about all the secrets from his past that everyone seemed to have neglected to tell him. But he's got other things to worry about, like Buckbeak's trial, because Hagrid's super sad. And Harry has an extra magical Christmas when a firebolt shows up in his pile of presents, but short-lived. Herm rats them out to Mick G, and the firebolt is sadly confiscated to be stripped down for Jinx's. What a <laughs> jerk. Hey, she was just looking out for her besties. What a jerk. <sighs> well, all right. So school is back in session. Rary are super mad at Hermione. <laughs> And what is more worried than ever about Quidditch? Harry works on his inner demons and outer dementors with Lupin, and he's feeling a little drained after the sessions. He has little time on his hands between Quidditch and hanging with Uncle Mooney. Harry gets a leg up on Quidditch field, and Scabba seems to have lost his life. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry at all. I really wish you were dead. <clears throat> Nobody's sad. Sad tweet. Guess no. what? When there's only three of us, who gets the first section? Your favorite Hufflepuff. Fazzy's not here. He can't speak these words. You don't know his life. He actually wrote these notes. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just speaking them for him. So, Harry knows that Hermione meant well telling McGee about uh, the broomstick, but that didn't stop him from being angry with her. Already? Th- what do you want? <laughs> I always think of that quote, the road to hell was paved with good intentions. With this, with stuff like that. But gone. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, for your knowledge. You're welcome. So he was the owner of the best broom in the world for only a few short hours. And now he didn't know if he'd ever see it again. Womp, womp. And that was Christmas Day, correct? Yeah. And they didn't talk until... I mean, after term started again. So, like, yeah. how sad that they just stopped talking to and Hermione. Wow. There's literally no one there. Yeah. They're the only three people yeah. in that whole... Because I don't know... Well, I shouldn't say that. There's three other students. There's four other students, right? Or is there four students total? Didn't we say there were seven total? Yeah, there's seven t- total students. So there's four other students. But not Gryffindors. But we don't know. We're assuming they're not Gryffindors. Right. Well, maybe Hermione shouldn't have been such a jerk. Hey, she's so just she, looking out for his best interest, man. She even started avoiding the common room. So, uh, Rary, <laughs> they were thankful that term started up again because Gryffindor Tower was crowded and noisy again, so it kind of like took away a little bit from the awkwardness. Um, Oliver Wood came to see Harry the night before term started, and he brought up Dementors. This right here makes me really not like Oliver Wood. Because he comes up to Harry all awkward and he's like, look, I was thinking over break and like, you know, if Dementors show up at the match again, like, we can't afford to have you like, you know, and Harry's like, no, I'm working on it. You know, Lupin's going to teach me some anti-Dementor stuff. We're going to ward him off. And Wood looks relieved and says, oh, good. I didn't want to lose you as a seeker. Excuse me? You're just going to kick him off the team? Well, you know, it's all about that cup to Oliver. Yeah, but like at the same time... <laughs> Who Harry? is he going to put in his seeker, though? Right. Well, Harry, they seem to, the Dementors seem to be attracted to Harry because there's so much. Sadness. That they, yes. <laughs> that they can get from him. 
So maybe he's also thinking like, I don't want them around the rest of these people too. Cause like if they come, they're going to suck everybody's soul out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Oliver, you suck. Oliver cannot believe that Harry hasn't ordered a broom yet. And then when he finds out that Harry got a firebolt for Christmas, well, sort of, I had to put his quotes in cause it was just funny. A firebolt. No, seriously. Uh, a real firebolt. So Harry tells him no, what happened. <laughs> you know what that's called? A firebolt. <laughs> Fire nut. <laughs> so Harry tells him what happened and how he did have a firebolt, but then McGee took it away. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have another term for a firebolt? <laughs> a hot run. <laughs> a hot thunder. A flame, a flame run. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so it's like, I'll make her see reason. A firebolt. A real firebolt on our team. She wants Gryffindor to win as much as we do. I'll make her see sense. A firebolt. <laughs> Wait, a firebolt? Mm-hmm. Firebolt? No, a flame a run. A real <laughs> firebolt? A hot like run. <laughs> in real time life? That should be the name of the episode. A, a hot, hot sprint. Run. <laughs> <laughs> a hot run. Oh. So classes start up again, and Harry arranges to meet with Remus at 8 o'clock on Thursday evening in the History of Magic classroom so they can start their anti-dementor classes. And Remus is like, I got to think of how to do this because we can't bring a real dementor into the castle. One, Dumbledore wouldn't allow it, and like two, who would want to hang around with a dementor? I don't think they're really that great of friends. You don't know me. I know dementors. Dementor, (laughs) dementor. So after they leave the classroom, Ron mentions that you know, Lupin still looks ill. Like, what do you think's the matter with him? And Hermione, from somewhere behind them, gives a very loud and impatient t- from from somewhere behind them. And Ron is all irritable with her. Like, what? What are you? What are you tutting at us for? And Herm's like, isn't it obvious? And she's got this look of like, Joe calls it maddening superiority. And then Ron's like, she doesn't know. She's just trying to get us to talk to her again. But this is the second time. Or the first time we see it again later in Goblet of Fire where like Ron doesn't believe that she has a date, you know? Mm. So anytime he doubts mm. her, she's always she's always right. Well, we don't know if she's right or wrong. Oh she yeah, I don't know yet, right? Of something. I wonder what she knows. He's a vampire. Oh yeah. I forgot. He sparkles. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Do you want to read my little part there that I put into your notes? She said, I mean, Meg, really. You should just read this whole part verbatim. Meaning, like, read the book. Yeah, you should read this whole part. read the whole book. Yeah, it's chock full of good stuff and Remus. So, that's all you need. So, Harry meets Professor Lupin in the History of Magic classroom. I wonder why they didn't just use... The defense classroom. Like why he mentioned go that history of magic. He mentioned it was like bigger, so they have more room. Yes. Well, in the movie, they're in the they're in the movie. They're like in some rando room. It like looks like Dumbledore's. I was gonna say it looks like Dumbledore's office almost. Yeah. It kind of like looks Similarly. almost like the ast- astronomy tower, but like why would you go up there? Weird. Fresh so air. <laughs> he's carrying a large view. case. <laughs> Uh, and he came up with the idea to use a Bogart instead of a real Dementor. So that's pretty cool. Super smart. But like, what if it didn't turn into a Dementor? What if it turned into... Um, Voldemort. Yeah. Ridiculous. 
Boom. Voldemort's defeated. Voldemort again. is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. What if it turned into me? <gasps> what would wow. you turn in Bogart? What would you turn Bogart Voldemort into? Like, what could possibly make him funny? Oh, I would give him a nose. Um, <laughs> a wacky, wavable, inflatable tube man. <laughs> one of those ones like with arms flailing. <laughs> we all just did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, so. When they aren't using the Dementor, Lupin also says that he can just store him in his office. There's a cupboard under his desk that he'll like. Do we think that Bogarts have genders? Because he keeps referring to the Bogart as a he. Or no. That's just kind of like that's a... That's the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I think that a lot of times people like... Typically, when they're talking about something like, oh, it, like they say it's a he. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he does this. And it's a he. Like, bogus. Yeah. I agree. Bogus Boggart. You know what? From now on, I'm going to refer to everything as a she. We're superior. I'm not going to say anything at all ever again. How about they? That's probably best. I'm going to say dat. Beep. Dat Boggart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So the Patronus charm. Pottermore has a beautiful little article on it. Is it beautiful? It's quite it's so long. Beautiful. It's actually a really nice blue color. Blue. That's a Ravenclaw color. It is. The Patronus is the most famous defensive charm. So its aim is to produce a silvery white guardian or protector, which takes the form of an animal sometimes, but it doesn't always have to. Can it be a person? I don't know. Like, could it, it take the shape animal. of a human form? A Patronus? Yeah. Like, could my Patronus be Meg, possibly? No. It could be She's me, like, though. Maybe it could be. Think of like if it was a person going up, like like say Megan's Patronus was like Taylor Swift, right? Because you know Mm -hmm. she loves her. Yeah. And say she's like in danger or something's happening or she's excited. Let's make it something positive. So she's excited. Maybe she's so excited she's next to the real Taylor Swift, and she's going to tell you when you're in the bathroom. So she goes expect a Patronum. Yo, Kate's Taylor Swift is standing next to me. Then Taylor Swift, Patronus <laughs> Horn just walks into the bathroom and being like, "Girl, Taylor Swift standing right next to me." Wouldn't that be crazy? That'd be trippy. Yeah. trippy It'd trippy. be like Taylorception. Get it inside of Inception. Whoa. So many Taylors inside of Taylor inside of Taylor. It says here that one of the most powerful defensive charms can also be used as a messenger between wizards. So, as a pure protective magical concentration of happiness and hope. It is the only spell effective against Dementors. Dude, if I knew this in school, I'd be like sending like teeny tiny little virgins of my Patronus to my friends instead of passing notes. Yeah. How cute. Like a little tiny animal yeah, crawling like, up and like whispering in your ear. Can you do that? A. And B, wouldn't it be like, would you have to whisper? Would Maybe. you have to like tell? Or what's your Patronus? A dolphin. So what if you were like, Meg, I love you. But it actually like a tiny like, itty bitty little dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was really trying to think of how to make I, a dolphin sound. I was actually thinking it would... T- no, because you can make send messages, so it wouldn't sound like yeah. a dolphin. Oh. It'd be, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be Katie's voice, but what if it was, like, loud? So, like, you're in the middle of, like, study like, hall. Meg, I love yeah. you! Why is my dolphin so raspy? Because I was trying to have it be a loud whisper. You oh. know what I mean? Because, <laughs> like, you whispered to it. 
All right, cool. So the majority of witches <laughs> and wizards actually cannot produce Patronuses, which is pretty interesting, seeing as we see so many people in this series produce them. Yeah, but they're like, uh, sorry, talented people. Like, we know Draco True. cannot produce one. JK has come out and said that. Um, she's also said Hagrid is not, does not um, possess the skills to do it. It took, I mean, I think Harry, realistically, I think a lot of those kids are very talented. I honestly think J- Draco would have the skills. I think for him, it's more so that he doesn't have any good memories. Yeah. I um, mean, even like past Cursed Child, I don't know if he would, because like, how sad is that? Your wife is dead and now you have yeah. a motherless son. That is sad. And like all these kids that we see, you know, in Harry's year, they're all from like, their parents are all really super talented, so mm-hmm. mix them together, and then you got this mega magic child. Dumbledore's you know? army, yo. Yeah. Um. So in or- so to do so is generally considered a mark of superior magical ability, which mm-hmm. I think is cool. Um, some witches and wizards who can't produce like a full on Patronus, which would like take the form of an animal, they can produce an incorporeal Patronus. Uh, which is just like a mass or a wisp of silvery vapor. Um, and we kind that's like pretty much what we see Harry do first. And then it turns into a corporal, corporeal Patronus. Um, it says here the incorporeal Patronus is not a true Patronus. And while it will give limited protection, it cannot provide the defense power, defensive power of the corporeal Patronus which is the one that takes the form of an animal. Um, This article is very, very long, so Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just going to try and skim it here to see if there's something else. This is no reliable system for predicting the form of an individual's Patronus has ever been found. Um, So you never know what you're going to get. It's like a Forrest Gump in Life and Chocolate. Less also, like a box, not a locks, but a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Fun fact, but Remus doesn't like his Patronus, so he never produces a real one. But he yeah. likes chocolate. Yeah. He's also <laughs> kind of afraid that it would give away that he's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a werewolf. It's a bat. Yeah. Does, does um, Tonks' match hers? I mean, his. So, yeah. Okay, so that's what I was about to say. The form of a Patronus may change during the course of a witch or wizard's life. So instances have been known instances have been known of the form of the Patronus transforming due to bereavement, falling in love, or profound shifts in a person's character. Um, so Nymphadora Tonks, her Patronus was a jackrabbit, and then it changed to a wolf, not a werewolf, but a wolf, when she falls in love with Remus. Um some witches and wizards may be unable to produce a Patronus at all until they've undergone some kind of psychic shock. Mm. Hmm. So. It's shocking. It is quite shocking. I think that that is about all I have to say on this. We'll post the link. I shall. I shan't. So it's considered highly advanced magic, as I said, which is well beyond OWL level. And as we know here, Harry is in third year, so two years out from OWLs, um, and he's practicing it, which is pretty astounding. So a Patronus is a kind of anti-Dementor, a guardian that acts as a shield between you and the Dementor, a positive force, a projection of the very things that Dementors feed upon, which is hope, happiness, and the design to survive. 
Yeah, it's supposed to say desire. The desire to survive. <laughs> uh, but it can't feel despair like real humans can do. The Dementor can't hurt it. What? It can't feel despair like real humans. <laughs> I love that you're just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you're cute. <sighs> Sarah, did you want to add something? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um... So Harry imagines himself crouched behind a haggard-sized figure holding a club. Like, that's his envision. His, yes. I think it's cute because, like, I think Harry, even, like, not really knowingly, sees... Still sees Hagrid as a protector like that. And, like, as a father figure, yeah. yeah. Like, he, th- he thinks of him first mm-hmm. as a protector. Yeah, it's cute. That's because Hagrid's amazing. Yeah. Hagrid is amazing. Um, Lupin does tell Harry that this might be too advanced um, because, you know, he knows many qualified wizards who can't do it, but he doesn't know our Harry now, does he? Well, he could have grown up to know Harry, but... But Again, he probably also cuddled with him pre-everyone dying. (gasps) I can't handle that. Each Patronus is unique to the wizard who conjures it, so you must use an incantation, and it will only work if you are concentrating with all your might on a single very happy memory. So the first thing that Harry thinks of is the first time that he wrote a broomstick, and it doesn't really work. It's not a happy enough memory. Um, But the incantation is expected Patronum, and there's also a little teeny tiny little blurb on Pottermore about expected Patronum. It's not really a whole lot. It basically, so it's got like a little um, illustration of the stag that looks like, but that doesn't look like Harry casting it. Yeah. That kind of looks more like a rain, like a moose or something. It says a difficult spell and the only known defense against Dementors. It has its own little fact file here, so. But again, Um, we don't know if Lavender Brown is dead or alive. I'm saying dead. It says here that its purpose is to protect against Dementors by summoning one's happiest memories. It shields against and can overpower the foul effects of Dementors. In a famous moment of it in the Whoa, f- spoiler. In the movies and books is Harry Potter uses a Patronus to save a future version of himself from Dementors while using what? the Time Turner. Also, Severus Snape uses his corporeal Patronus, a doe, to protect the trio from afar while they search for the Deathly Hallows. Doe a deer. Oh, I didn't say golden, sorry. A female deer. Ray. Ray. A, a drop of golden, golden sun. So, expecto Patronum, if you, like, take those words and have it kind of, I mean, it's Latin. She, like, changes it, but it's, like, f- derived from Latin. And it, it basically means I await a patron. So it's like literally you're expecting a protector well, to see, come. See, I heard that it says I await a guardian. I think it's it's kind of an interchangeable word. Don't you tell me what to think. Yeah, ma'am. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I should have opened all these articles before I started. That's your fault. I Don't know. be prepared. This just has like it. So at the bottom, it like talks about Harry like Potter. what is a patron. 
and like the like Roman meaning of that. I well, think. if you go to Patreon.com, <laughs> I was like a little mention there. It says here, essentially, a Patronus in ancient Rome was a rich, powerful man who would defend his clients in lawsuits, assist them in business transactions, find them plum jobs, and pay them a small daily allowance in exchange for certain services. Um, patronage was the way young, upwardly mobile Romans made their way up the social ladder, much like Percy attaching himself to Fudge. The patronage system was the secret of Rome's staying power. It assumed political cronyism, bribery, lobbyists. This is very deep and involved. Basically, he's calling a guardian. That's pretty much what it's saying. Um, so he says it a few times, and something like whooshes out at the end of his wand, but it's not a corporeal Patronus. Uh, but Harry gets really excited, and it's like a wisp of silvery gas, and says, did you see that, said Harry excitedly. Something happened. And let me find this part in the chapter, if I can... You know, all these were highlighted, and I don't know why it went away. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Like, I did it. I highlighted stuff at work, and yeah. it's just like Me gone. too. All my stuff's gone. What does a Patronus look like? Very good, Harry. Okay, here we go. So a Dementor rose slowly from the box. Its hooded face turned toward Harry, one glistening, scabbed hand gripping its cloak. The lamps around the classroom flickered and went out. The Dementor stepped from the box and started... So that's interesting. That's the first... I feel like that's the first time that I hear it Step. described as saying it stepped from the box. Usually they just like glide, you yeah. know, so stepped from the box and started to sweep silently toward Harry, drawing a deep rattling breath. A wave of piercing cold broke over him. Expecto Patronum, Harry yelled. Expecto Patronum. Expecto. But the classroom and the Dementor were dissolving. Harry was falling again through thick white fog, and his mother's voice was louder than ever, echoing inside his head, Not Harry, not Harry, please, I'll do anything. Stand aside. Stand aside, girl. Harry. Harry jerked back to life. He was laying flat on his back on the floor. The classroom lamps were alight again. He didn't have to ask what had happened. So he hears his mom again, which is sad. Um... The Bogart Dementor, as I just read and described, like is exactly like a real Dementor. So it's the same piercing cold. He tries really hard to like not let that white fog take him over, but it does. And then he hears his mom screaming before she gets killed by Voldemort. <sighs> yes, it's super sad that he like has to fight with himself about like wanting to. Yeah, yeah, not listen. Mm. Wanting to hear mm -hmm. it because he does, he's never voice. heard his mother's voice yeah. and knowing that these are also her last moments and like that he shouldn't, not that he's Want enjoying it, that. but you know what I mean? He has heard his mother's voice. He just doesn't remember. Sarah! Just get out of here. <laughs> All right, bye. He don't I'll remember. Sleep. It's very, very sad. It is. It gets heart-wrenching, you know? Well, don't worry. Lupin I, gets him out of it and gives him some chocolate. I, I'll give him some raven cuddles. <laughs> he also suggests to Harry that he tries a happier memory because clearly it wasn't strong enough for the Patronus to work. Um, Harry 
Sorry, guys. It's late. I'm tired, man. I need to, like, focus here. Okay. Um, so he gives him chocolate, and then chocolate. he suggests that if Harry doesn't want to continue, that he would understand, but Harry is like, no way. I'm going. So he picks up, he picks the memory of when Gryffindor won the house championship last year and tries again. White fog again, only this time he heard a different voice. It just gets sadder and sadder. Mm-hmm. Like it just starts getting so heavy. Lily, take Harry and go. It's him. Go, run. I'll hold him off. The sounds of someone stumbling from a room, a door bursting open, a cackle of high-pitched laughter. It's very sad. So as we know that that time it's James's voice. Um, Harry is determined to continue still. He picks this time the moment he found out he was a wizard and that he would be leaving the Dursleys for Hogwarts. He tries again, despite Remus looking like he was doing this against his better judgment. What? I was going to say that Harry finds out that they're friends or they were friends at school. Remus? Mm-hmm. And James? Mm-hmm. I think it's right. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So Harry says, I heard my dad. Harry mumbled. It's the first time I've ever heard him. He tried to take on Voldemort himself to give my mom time to run for it. Harry suddenly realized that there were tears on his face, mingling with the sweat. He bent his face as low as possible, wiping them off on his robes, pretending to do up his shoelace so that Lupin wouldn't see. You heard James, said Lupin in a strange voice. Yeah, face dry, Harry looked up. Why, you didn't know my dad, did you? I I did, as a matter of fact, said Lupin. We were friends at Hogwarts. Listen, Harry, perhaps we should leave it here for tonight. This charm is ridiculously advanced. I should shouldn't have suggested putting you through this. I have a really, really, really sad thought. Oh, and you're going to hate me for it. Do you think he, being Remus, cried himself to sleep that night? Let's not! <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to cry and I might start crying. Because it's so, so sad. Because, like, yeah. I don't, he probably doesn't know that. He probably doesn't know what James's last moments were. And he's probably, you know... He's hearing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, he... You know, as much as, like, yeah, that's Harry's dad, like, he knows James. Right. That's one of his best friends, and he knew him for Honestly, years. Honestly, Remus knows James way, way more. better than Harry. Mm-hmm. And so to hear I mean, that... And, sad for Harry, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Gosh. It's so sad. Uh, Sarah's literally crying. I had a, had a tear. <laughs> so this time, eyeball. the screaming came again in his head. However, it sounded like it was coming from a badly tuned radio, softer and louder and softer again, and he could still see the Dementor. It halted. A huge silver shadow came bursting from Harry's wand, hovering between him and the Dementor. His legs felt like water, but he was still on his feet, though he didn't know for how much longer. Um, so Remus actually interject, intervenes at that point. Where, so Harry produced the Patronus, so that's amazing, But it, and it was like floating between the two of them, but then Remus comes in front of the Bogart, and then it ch- changes again to a s- still, it's still a silvery orb. Are vampires so casts, afraid of orbs? Yeah. Uh, he casts Ridiculous. Harry, of course, wants to try again, but Remus is like, um, no, eat this chocolate. <laughs> You're done. But they do decide to meet again the same time next week. 
So then Harry decides to ask Remus about Sirius. This is literally the whole thing is heart wrenching. What are you gonna say? It's just heart wrenching. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is. I'll tell you what else I wrote in my book. It was probably really hard for him. Like I just want to give him some raven cuddles too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Harry says, Professor Lupin, if you knew my dad, you must have known Sirius Black as well. Lupin turned very quickly. What gives you that idea? He asked sharply. Nothing. I mean, I just knew they were friends at Hogwarts, too. Lupin's face relaxed. Yes, I knew him, he said shortly, or I thought I did. You'd better be off, Harry. It's getting late. How often do you think in those 12 years since all of this stuff happened that Remus gets harassed because he was friends with them being like, that's your, you're, you were friends with Sirius. Like, are you with them too? And all that other stuff. I've never thought of that before. I would think that at least, uh, because I, I at wonder least right after he probably would have gotten brought in for questioning or something. Well, for sure. But like, I wonder if just like every day on the street, like people that think that Sirius was this horrible, cute yeah. person that like betrayed his friends and all that stuff. And, they all know that like the four of them were best friends. Right. Um, and Ramus is the only one still alive that they know of and not in prison. And um, like, I wonder, cause the way he says it, it's almost like on the, the defense, like, well, why would you ask that? Like, right. Why, you know, yeah, did you hear something kind of like thing? He's yeah. Kind of, he's almost snappy. He yeah. I don't think he means to be obviously, but yeah. yeah. Cause it says he's, said it sharply yeah well one i think he probably has like tried to not think about Sirius for 12 years i doubt that he was successful but and now like all of a sudden like with harry and like he has to have so much crap coming Mm -hmm. back into his head Mm -hmm. and it has to just just gives me anxiety thinking about it it's a lot to deal with very sad so harry leaves the classroom and then Basically just wishes he hadn't brought it up at all because clearly Remus wasn't keen on talking about the subject. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't, it's just sad. Mm-hmm. So Harry thinks of his mom and dad. As terrible as it was to hear their last moments in his head, these were really the only times Harry had heard their voices since he was a very small child. See, Sarah, there it is. But he knew that he'd never be able to produce a proper Patronus if he half wanted to hear them again. So he basically, like, talked to himself, like, to try and get over it. It was just like, they're dead, he told himself sternly. They're dead, and listening to echoes of them won't bring them back. You better get a grip on yourself if you want that Quidditch cup. Uh, He's 13. Yeah, it's crazy. 13 years old, and his parents are dead. It's not okay. Not okay. <sighs> it's my turn again. Did yes. you miss me? Always. All right. So we got some good news. We got all this bad news going on, but good news: Slytherin beat Ravenclaw in their Quidditch match. So That's that means good news for me. That means if Gryffindor beats Ravenclaw in their next match, that they will be in second place. What? So Oliver Wood's like, we gotta practice six times a week. So now Harry is doing extra practice for Quidditch. He's got anti-dementor lessons with Lupin once a week, which he describes as more draining than six Quidditch practices put together. And he's left with one night a week to do all his homework. So this kid's a but little they, busy. It doesn't make any sense if he's if he's Quidditching six days a week, plus a day with Lupin makes seven. Yeah, and he'd be have no time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we sure it's six days a Dear week? Dear Joe. I feel like it's five days a week. No, I think it's six. But please correct me if I'm wrong. You're always wrong. Rude. 
So even with all that, his workload is nothing compared to Hermione's. So every night, without fail, she's in the corner of the common room, hidden behind all these stacks of books, arithmetic charts, rune dictionaries, diagrams of muggles lifting heavy objects. It says here in my encyclopedia called Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Is it five? He therefore increased the number of team practices to five a week. <laughs> this meant that with Lupin's anti-dementia classes, which in and of themselves were draining, more draining than six Quidditch practices, Harry had just one night a week to do all his homework. The Beatles taught me that there's eight days a week. <laughs> well, they were wrong, too. <laughs> so I don't understand muggles lifting heavy things unless, like, wizards don't muggles know how to pick studies. things up. I know, but, like, I know we have Wingardium Leviosa in the magical world, but, like, clearly wizards can still, like, lift things. <laughs> they can know. pick things up and lift them. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and file upon file of extensive notes. So, like, she barely talked to anybody, and whenever she was interrupted, she kind of, like, snapped. Well, she's probably so stressed out because she's dumb and taking too many classes. Yeah, I know. So, Ron, like... Oh, look, mine stayed highlighted. Sorry. <laughs> Ron can't figure out how she's doing it. And Harry's like, doing what? Getting to all her classes, Ron said. I heard her talking to Professor Vector, that arithmancy witch, this morning. They were going on about yesterday's lesson. But Hermione can't have been there because she was with us in care of magical creatures. And Ernie McMillan... (laughs) Ernie Mac... (laughs) (laughs) Told me... (laughs) Ernie McMillan told me she's never missed a muggle studies class, but half of them are at the same time as divination, and she's never missed one of them either. Hermione, what you doing? Flowing through time. But Harry doesn't really have time to uh, think about that because he's got enough on his own plate. He don't care. Nope. So Wood promised Harry that he would try to talk to McGee about getting that firebolt back. And he uh, reports back to Harry and says she got a little bit shirty with him. She'll give you the, the what is it called? The hot runs. <laughs> <laughs> She looks like she smoked a tub of gillyweed. Are you tired? I'm really tired. McGee gave Harry the hot runs. Okay, so McGee told Wood that his priorities were all wrong. Again, I don't like him here. Just because I told her I didn't care if it threw you off as long as you caught the snitch. Honestly, <laughs> the way she was yelling at me, you'd think I'd said something terrible. Uh, and then Wood's like, look, you better just order a new broom. Why don't you get a Nimbus 2000 and one like Malfoy? And Harry says, I'm not buying anything Malfoy thinks is good. Good on him. I don't blame him. Nope. Honestly, like if I wasn't going to get a Firebolt, I probably would just get another Nimbus 2000. Yeah, I agree. So February comes. This match is drawing closer. Harry's asking McGee after every single class where his hot run is. And after the 12th time, she seems to have had enough of it. So she's like, I will tell you when it's done. I'm not going to lie. I would be on her, too. Oh, I would, too. She could have just been like, we're going to try to get it back to you by the match. But no, she lets this kid suffer. I probably wouldn't ask her at all. (laughs) Honestly. That's sad. So, on top of that, Harry's anti-dementor classes aren't going as well as he hoped. He could still only produce that, like, indistinct silvery shadow, 
but it was too feeble to actually drive away the Bogart Dementor. So he's feeling angry with himself because, again, he's guilty about this secret desire he has to hear his parents' voices again. That's really messed up. Um, but Lupin, being the freaking hero, tries to cheer him up. He's like, you're expecting too much of yourself. You're only 13, and an ind- indistinct Patronus is a huge achievement, and you're not even passing out anymore. And he brings in butterbeer. Butterbeer? He's like the sweetest human on the planet. With the sweetest drink on the planet. But he's not human. That's rude. He's just like you and me, Meg. <laughs> so Harry like totally almost blows it because Remus is like, oh, I, you know, I brought something. You won't have had it before because, you know, Harry's not supposed to be in Hogsmeade. And Harry's like, yeah, butterbeer. I love that stuff. Uh, Hermione and Ron Oops. brought some back for me. So butterbeer's alcoholic, correct? Slightly. It doesn't really affect human beings unless you drink a lot. Which is alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, for example, like when Winky drinks it, like she only has to take drink like much less than a wizard would because she'll just get sloshed. She's also small. That's true. So like my question is, why is a professor <laughs> serving alcohol to a 13 year old? Because he's cool. Because they're allowed in the wizard <laughs> Okay. World. I don't okay. know. Because I think there's such a little amount in there. It's not enough to get him, you know. Wasted. Yeah, he's not gonna be wasted. All right, is it my turn? Potter ain't gonna be plastered. Maybe he wants. He to. won't have the hot runs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So whilst <laughs> okay, <laughs> whilst sipping on some butterbeer, cheersing to a hopeful victory for Gryffindor in the next Quidditch match against match against Ravenclaw. Go Eagles! Go, go, go Ravens! Go. No. <laughs> <laughs> Harry asks, what is under the hood of a Dementor? A rusty engine is my guess. <laughs> oh my god, I just got this! <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> when you talk about like what's under the hood... Uh. When you have to explain the joke. Oh, oh. god! <laughs> so when Lupin tells us, no one really has um, ever seen what they look like because you know they lower their hood and then whoop, they use their secret <laughs> weapon, a whoop. big old smooch. <laughs> That's the sound it makes. Whoop! <laughs> the Dementors kiss. They clamp their jaws upon the mouth of the victim and they suck their soul out. Lord. So there is a um, thing on Pottermore. About everything you need to know about the Dementor's Kiss. Because we all need um, to know more about that. Yeah. So it says, there are many things to be frightened of in the Harry Potter stories, but when Voldemort wasn't around, Harry feared another deadly threat. The Dementor's Kiss is like something out of your most feared horror film. When the deadly Dementors suck out a soul, victim's souls, but how much do we know about these tragic punishments? So how bad is it? Just imagine the worst game of Kiss Chase, which I don't know what that is. What is that? Times a million. Something British, I'm assuming. But I'm American and we don't do that. Tell us, English friends. Picture for a moment those most terrifying of magical creatures, the Dementor. Cloaked in dark hoods with slimy looking decaying hands and shudder, no eyes. Imagine them advancing towards you, causing the air to freeze and bring all of your worst fears and traumas to life. Then imagine them clamping their jaws on your mouth and sucking out your soul. Horrifying, isn't it? 
A little bit. But what are the effects? You know, get a little hickey on your mouth. I don't know. <laughs> when Harry first heard, heard about the Dementor's Kiss in Prisoner of Azkaban, he assumed it was a curse that killed. But it was so much worse than that. Professor Lupin explained to Harry that it was possible to exist without your soul, but that's all it would be, existing, not living in any sense of the word. You were ex- effectively an empty shell, which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of know, we know Barty Cars Jr. for sure um, has the Dementor's Kiss or is, uh, is given it. Uh, I don't know if that's like the right word, but... Yeah. Um, because he sentenced to yeah sentenced to yeah um could because for his traitor's deeds and he's disguised as mad eye moody he um then has his very soul sucked from him the order came from the misguided minister of magic minister for magic cornelius fudge who didn't account for the fact that barty would be rendered unable to testify about voldemort's return he's an idiot way to go fudge ugh Fudge, you fudge Some up. near misses. Um, absolutely. In the presence of a Dementor, the threat of their terrible kiss was ever present. It was thanks to quick wit and an abundance of advanced magical skills that these characters were spared this fate worse than death. Um, but we know Harry in this book and then later on. Um, Sirius Black almost got the kiss. Dudley. Mary Cattermall. Oh my god, I was like, Dudley? And then I remember. <laughs> Hermione Granger. Um, Ron. It's crazy, you know? Kissing. Not that good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Says the single girl on the podcast. So Harry is shocked (laughs) by this news. He spits his butterbeer right out of his mouth. It's so much worse than being killed. So We know you can exist without your soul. Um, As long as your brain and heart are still working, there's no chance of recovery at all. Uh, You'll just exist as an empty shell and your soul... Um, is gone forever. So Lupin tells all that to Harry, still sipping his butterbeer, and reveals that it is the fate that awaits Sirius Black. Harry is still shocked about the thought of the soul-suckingness, but then he thinks of Sirius Black and says he deserves it. Lupin, being the kind human that he is, asks Harry if he's sure he believes that. Does he really think that anyone deserves that? But Harry's determined um, that Sirius does deserve that fate, and he wants to tell Lupin all of the things that he learned when he was at the Three Broomsticks, but he didn't want to admit um, to breaking all of those school rules. Um, So he thanks Lupin for the beverage, um, and he leaves. And then I'm going to read a bit from the book. So Harry half wished that he hadn't asked what was under a Dementor's hood. The answer had been so horrible, and he was so lost in an unpleasant thought of what it would feel like to have your soul sucked out of you that he walked headlong into Professor McGonagall halfway up the stairs. So he literally runs into McGee. Um, and he's like, whoa, McGee, what up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> and she's got some wonderful news. Um, she's not pregnant, but she can give Harry his, his broom back. <laughs> she's um, not pregnant, but Harry's the brand new father of this broom. <laughs> yeah. Harry has a new baby <laughs> called the Hot Run. <laughs> um, oh so he, it's back, and we're super excited. Dude can't wait to fly and win the next game. And McG's like, bro, here's your broom, and please try to win this game. Like, we really need it. Because we all know that she's a big Quidditch fan. And duh, she's a Gryffindor fan because she is a Gryffindor. 
And she also says, like, if they don't win, they'll be out of the running for eight years straight, which Snape had kindly reminded her of that fact the night before. So Ron meets Harry on the way to the common room, and they're both so excited. The fireball is back, baby! And uh, so Harry tells them that he can have a ride on it tomorrow, and they discuss how they should probably try and make up with Hermione because it's been a little bit, and they, you know, need their friend back. And, um... Ron's like, yeah, you're probably right. You know, whatever. We could pretend to like her. <clears throat> and, you know, she's really only trying to help. So they find her in the common room and they turn. Um, they're going to find her in the common room, but they turn the corner to see Neville pleading with Sir Cadogan about the passwords. And he tells them, I wrote them. I wrote them down. I must have dropped them somewhere. Cadogan doesn't believe him. And then he sees Harry and Ron and says, good evening. Even my fine young yeoman. Come clap this loon in irons. He is trying to force entry into the chambers within. Ron tells him to shut up, and Neville tells them he lost his, the passwords. He made um, Kadagan tell him what they all were going to be because he keeps changing them um, so often. Like I think he changes them like multiple times a day. Yeah. Um, so he wrote them all on a paper, and then he lost them. And uh, Harry says the password, and inside the portrait they go. So all the people in the common room are super excited to see the broom. So they swarm Harry and they're like, bro, let's talk about some brooms. And he's like, cool beans. We'll talk. Whatevs. So Ravenclaw basically has no chance winning this game against Harry's new broom. A, because Harry's a good secret. And B, because it's a hot broom that's fast. <laughs> hot run. <laughs> it's hot run. Um, so Harry goes up to Hermione and tells her about the broom. And Harry, Haran tells her, See, there isn't anything wrong with it, but she remains stubborn with saying there could have been something wrong with it, which, you know, is true. It's true. Um, So Harry sits down at the table where Hermione is doing all of her work, and he takes a second to really look at the stuff on the table and asks her how she's getting through all of, you know, her homework. Um, Her response is, working hard. But then he really looks at her and sees that she looks essentially not great. Looks as tired as Lupin. Like a vampire. Which is saying a lot. So he asks her why she doesn't drop a couple of subjects because she looks like crap. (laughs) Um, But she is scandalized by that thought. There's no way she would or could do that. They continue to talk about her schoolwork um, when there is a strangled yell from the boys' staircase and the whole common room falls silent, staring, petrified at the entrance. Then there was hurried footsteps getting louder and louder, and Ron came barreling into the room carrying his bed sheets. And he starts to scream and yell at Hermione to look, look at the sheet. Hermione's like super confused because she's like, dude, I haven't been in your room. I don't know why you're showing me your sheets. I don't know what you get up to, but I had nothing to do with it. Um, and he keeps yelling at her, look, scabbers, look, scabbers. Hermione is looking bewildered and Harry gets the chance to really look at the sheet and is horrified to see that horrified to see there is something red on it. Blood. So Harry. Nope. Ron yells. (laughs) He's gone. And you know what was on the floor. And then so Hermione responds. No, with a trembling voice, because, you know, I also would be trembling if someone was screaming in my face. Uh So he throws something on her homework and it looks like some cat fur straight from a ginger cat. Dare I say, Crookshanks. <gasps> My guess is Scabbers is dead. I have a lightning bolt round question. Really, it's just like a wondering. So, because Remus is like, do you really think anyone deserves that? Like, Demetrius' kiss? Mm-hmm. 
do you think there's still part of him that holds on to a good serious? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Also, it really bothers me that as soon as Harry gets back his broom, they're like, oh, let's go make up with Hermione. She only meant well. Yeah, because you got your toy back. <laughs> yeah. It's rude. No, talk to her for like, God, it has to have like been close to weeks. three weeks, a month, you know, yeah. maybe even longer. I mean, and realistically, you don't know. They could have, like, it could have been, like, in another parallel universe, Sirius Black was not a nice dude. And he jinxed a broom and gave it to Harry, and then Harry wrote and died. And that's how that other Harry ended. Sure. Megan, do you have any Firebolt questions? Firebolt questions? (laughs) (laughs) Lightning bolt questions. Um, Do you think that Peter purposefully put blood on the sheets. Oh, yeah. He faked his death again. It's almost like a full alliteration. Do you think Peter purposely put, <laughs> <laughs> put a pick to peck of pickled peppers? Where do you think he ran off to? Your mom's house? Didn't, doesn't it? I think say he, that he went off to like find Voldemort's wand and or is that after prisoner that summer? Yeah, because Hagrid finds him. So he was probably re- probably running for the forest or something. No one. Hagrid snatched, Hagrid him, snatched up. him up. Wouldn't well, go to right. the forest. In the forest. Well, he go to the forest. The forbidden transform forest. back into a man. And then wow. walk somewhere to... No, I yeah, I see, no but I'm saying because Sirius is like lurking in the forest. Oh. Hmm. Lurking in the know. forest. Wherever he went, for a rat. <laughs> Hagrid found him. <laughs> is there anybody you'd ever wish a Dementor's kiss on? <laughs> no. It's like messed up, man. Yeah, it's really messed yeah. up. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> You guys, I'm just kidding. Rude. Or am I? I don't even know if there's any questions I can ask. Firebolt questions? Firebolt questions. Yeah, I don't know. Fan story? Fan story. Now, this is a special request fan story. That's all I'm going to say. So, this week's comes from Katie Heacock. She says, hello, Tiffany, Megan, Katie, Sarah, Florence, and all my fellow Swishers. Hello. My name is Katie Heacock. I'm a proud Hufflepuff. Woo-woo. And my Patronus is a badger. What? It's okay to be jealous. I first found this podcast last October before my first trip to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I was talking to my sister, who is a podcast fiend, and it was her idea to find one to get me amped up for the trip, like I wasn't already. Swish and Flick was the first one to pop up for my search, and within minutes of pushing play, I knew I had found something extraordinary. I know a lot of people in the Potter fandom say that the series helped them through dark times in their lives, but my story is a little different. Sorcerer's Stone came out when I was eight, and everyone was reading it, so naturally I didn't want to. A year later, my parents split up when I was young, and neither of them handled it very well, causing me to be stuck in the middle of a nasty divorce. My grandparents and extended family tried to help my dad raise me, They pushed me into church and school activities, but no matter how many people I was surrounded by, I always felt alone and like an outcast. I never really felt like I fit in anywhere, and I had this darkness inside me that I could only describe as profound loneliness. Flash forward to 2006, I met my best friend, a man who made any ounce of darkness in me go away. 
I friend-zoned him for a few years, and in 2009, we started dating. In winter of 2010, his family invited me to go see Deathly Hallows Part 1 in the theaters, and I said yes because, hey, free movie and popcorn. That's so Hufflepuff. Shout out to you, Katie. I didn't expect to get it, get into it or understand anything, but by the time Snape walked through the gate at Malfoy Manor, I was hooked. We left the theater, and I borrowed my boyfriend's copies of all the movies and had watched them within the week. I picked up the books the day after finishing the movies, and then my obsession really began. By the time Deathly Hallows Part 2 was released, I was a full-fledged Potterhead. We went to the midnight release, and when I got home at 3 a.m., I started my first read-through of the Deathly Hallows book. I will forever be grateful to Harry and to my boyfriend, Spencer. Reading the books, Harry taught me about friendship, love, and the amazing ability to believe in yourself, all while Spencer taught me the same things. Harry and Spencer both came to me, not in my darkness, but at a time when I truly... When a time I was truly ready to believe in love and magic. That's cute. Yeah, I like that. Katie, thank you very much for sharing your story. And shout out to Spencer because he seems like a super cool dude. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We all have someone to thank for like getting us into Potter, I feel like. No one. (laughs) I have no one to thank. It's all me. I am Harry Potter. That's the mystery. We have solved it. But in this case, I feel like it's even more special because yes. it, you know, it helped you out. All right, Megan, are you ready to read some medias of the socials? Yes. Swish and Flick podcast can be found on Facebook <laughs> under Swish and Flick podcast and then Swish Flick cast on Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Our channel is Swish and Flick podcast. Um, we are on Patreon as well. You can join us there to get access to the Felix Files, which is our bi-monthly bonus episodes, a chance to be a guest on the Felix Files, live video chats monthly, and more. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash swishflickcast and choose your different support level. Shout out to our current patrons. Thank you so much for all that you do for us. We really appreciate it. And lastly, you can find all of that information and more on our website, which is swishflickcast.com. Everything's compiled in one spot there, so it's really easy. And then you also have access to our web store with our merchandise. T-shirts, mugs, bags, hats, all kinds of fun stuff. Do you want a ding shirt? Do you want a Florence towel? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You want to rep the best Harry Potter podcast that was ever existed in any place time continuum <laughs> go to swishlikecast.com buy your merch today 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 also today. the stuff is super soft like the shirts and stuff so nice they're very comfy because of course we ordered ourselves you know some what? swag if you want us to sign it buy a shirt send it to us we'll send it back florence will sign it for you oh my god oh Meg, are you doing a plug or are you sleeping over there? <laughs> Little side note. Oh, it is 2 a.m. Yeah. I thought it was 1 in the morning. No, this it's is two in way the past Megan's Megan's going to plug her bed because you know what? It's great. You sleep on it. You get under the covers. You snu- covers. 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 You snuggle. Our newest you sponsor. You your little peepers and you go to sleep. Our newest sponsor. Sometimes you dream about Taylor. Sometimes you dream about um, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she just dreams about her cats. Disney. Is our newest sponsor, Original Mattress Factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah send us some mattresses. Serta. Serta. Uh, Katie, 
Katie and I are on another podcast called Grown Up Kids. We are doing a chronological watch of the Disney films. Um, you can find us anywhere that you can find Swish and Flick. Just search Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. Meg and I also have a YouTube channel called Main Street Nine and Three Quarters. We are kind of in a small, not purposeful hiatus, but all our cool videos from the past are we still have in there. footage not we need to far. edit we just need to find time though yeah. there will be new videos coming soon but yeah we are working on more new videos and getting that back into rotation it's just a lot of work but it's really fun sarah what are you doing um so i'm again i'm not gonna plug anything this time around because i figured just a friendly reminder when talking about dementors and all that stuff that if you or you know someone that needs help please reach out and talk to someone or like be that person and like just make, if a friend's acting a little different, just be like, yo, I'm here for you. We're here for you. I know a lot of other swishers are there for you. Um, Join our swisher support group. It's really great. It's attached to our current Facebook group because you're not alone. We are here for you. We love you all. Um, and I just don't want you to ever feel like you're alone because you're not. We're also, all here. Also, like, just the simplest, like, say you haven't talked to one of your friends in a while, your best friend, like, you guys are just busy. You know, you don't get together as much as you like to anymore. A simple, like, hello text, a simple how you doing, that's it. Just, like, showing that you're thinking about someone. I've heard a lot of stories mm-hmm. of people who are, like, someone reached out to me just like that and it saved my life Mm because I was having a horrible day that day and I was thinking terrible things. And then, you know, I just got a random message from a friend and it brings you back. Yeah. Yeah, It really, it's really powerful just to like show that you're thinking about somebody. It doesn't have to be some big heroic act, Mm -hmm. you know, just reach out and say hi. Yep. And just remember you are loved. Yes. You're on this earth for a reason, for a purpose. We love you. You're important. Yes. Um, and I know in the United States, at least, um, you can call 1 800 273 8255. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline if you need help. Or again, you can message us. I know there's a lot of other listeners that are willing to um, talk to people. So you're not alone. We have a whole huge Swisher, Harry Potter, nerdy family to talk to. Basically, the Swish community is like one giant super Patronus. Yeah. And it's always there for you whenever you need it. Yeah. But we love ya. Mm-hmm. We love ya, honey. And now we'll leave the end for final time. Clipping for it tiff in. Tiff the Griff. For Tiff the Griff. Tiff the Griff. Tiff, tiff the, the Griff. USA. USA. If you know what that's about. Send something in the comments. Not send, but tell us in the comments. <laughs> Love you, everybody. All right. So that concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And don't let the muggles get you down. <gasps> Amazing. Just my voice. Giving me a million reasons. About a million reasons. If I had a highway, I would run for the hills. <laughs> <laughs> About a million reasons I've had to pray and try to make the world seem better. Yeah, show me 
No way! Shut your mouth and more! A hundred million reasons to walk away! Alright, are you ready? Ready, Freddy, 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 Freddy. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Swish and Flick. It's the last one before Tiffany is back. We hope you don't hate us too much because we know that you love Tiffany and apparently a lot of people also love Ezra, but he's not gonna be on the podcast because he doesn't know anything about Harry Potter. Spoiler alert, I don't think he knows how to read. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> What other songs can I sing while we're waiting for Megan to do her job? That's Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.